That's how he sinks it. Ooh. Cool. We're live now, so you, when you talk, Jack, you got to kiss the microphone. Yeah, uh, talking to the mic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, evening, ladies and gents. It's Chatisfaction time. I'm Keith. I'm Sam. And I'm Jack. And we're joined by... And we're, <laughs> God damn it, Jack. <laughs> fucking he pointed to the mic. Yeah, it's good one, Jack. Fault. We're not even in the same state. <laughs> anyway, this is Jack. He's our friend, and he's great. I'm okay. Say hi, Jack. Hi, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? Doing pretty good. How are things going for you? You were out fighting fires in California, correct? Oregon, mostly. Yeah? Yeah. Not so much California. But I'm done now. You're done now completely? Yep, completely. Forever. Forever. And the next stop on your journey is you're going to Hawaii now, right? Yep. My, when uh, does that all go down? I fly out Thursday, and my girlfriend's in law school there right now, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to meet up with her and find a job. You don't have a job yet? Nope. He's homeless. We're like in the same boat. He's yeah. homeless, too. That's why he's living with me until Thursday. That is accurate. Yeah. yeah. That's uh-huh. okay. You got a big house. Well, and Jack and I lived together for four years, so we're, we kind of know how it works. Yeah, that's true. One time, uh, yeah. this whole podcast would just be stories about when Jack and I live together. It's, it can be, yeah. One time, Jack complained that he never accidentally saw any of his roommates naked. Uh, and so I put on my uh, my skin-tight, uh, skin-colored uh, onesie and came out of my bedroom. <laughs> and I said, morning, Jack. And he goes, morning. So, ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, I completely tricked him. He thought I was naked. It's a good way to get someone, especially when they're not expecting it. It worked. And thanks to the big hole in the groin, he saw my penis. But I wasn't <laughs> naked. Do you still have that thing? Oh, yeah. Mm. Have you ever right. used it other than that prank since the party we had? You, you didn't use it for the party. I didn't, yeah. I got, it came to me like four days after Halloween, um, oh. which is why I bought it. And so then I got a refund and never sent it back because I'm a good person. Um, <laughs> And uh, I've worn it a lot, but not, I don't think for any reason. <laughs> like, I think yeah. I just put it on. Yeah. <laughs> Is it comfortable? No, not really. It's kind of yeah. tight. Um, when you say you've worn it a lot, like how much is a lot? I'm pretty sure you wore it when everybody came out for spring break. Yeah. And I told you to be quiet because it was like 2 a.m. on a Tuesday. And I come out. Because you're making a bunch of noise and you were in the leotard with like a cape on or something, ready to go outside because you and Roger had some plan of like. I think we were going to like ride unicycles yeah. out front or something. Yeah. And that was the last time I saw you. Yeah. I think I've worn it since. No, I'd say I probably have worn it 10 times. Wonderful. But I'm trying to think if I've ever actually worn it like out of the house. So he got his not spending money worth out of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's how you do it. Yeah. Um, what is, what's another good story you guys living together? Our landlord, she's just Shan Shan. F- full of great stories. So Shan Shan uh, was this tiny 
uh, Asian woman, and it was like her and her husband's like place. Like they lived there, and then they moved out and rented it out. And we know that because there was they just like use electrical tape to write like Chinese mm-hmm. stuff on the wall and just left it there. And so our house just had like weird electrical tape artwork on the wall, and we never did anything about it either. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she was super shy and like a huge pushover. Like she kind of we lucked out with her, but she also lucked out with us. Like I think we could have mm-hmm. taken advantage of her a lot more. Yeah. But she'd be like, "Hey, Sam, uh, can you can I have rent?" And I'd be like, "Oh, uh, no, it's gonna be next week." And she'd be like, <laughs> "Oh, okay." <laughs> like that's just how it went generally. Um, but there'd also be times where we'd be, are we like we weren't sure if we were gonna pay rent that month. Yeah. Because we just wouldn't hear from her. Right. And then we'd have yeah. to pay like a double rent uh, the next month, which was always annoying. Yeah. Um, one of the best moments, though, was uh, a couple of times while we lived there, we'd have an appliance break. And Shan Shan mm-hmm. and her husband would come over and basically have an appliance they just bought from a hardware store and absolutely no idea of how to install it or the physical strength to move it. So. <laughs> Jack and I would just do it. Like, Jack and I taught ourselves how to install a new water heater on the spot. Um, we helped carry a fridge while Shan Shan's husband and brother-in-law uh, just got in our way. <laughs> they just, like, yeah. were in the way while we were trying to get it up these steps. Um, the best part about the water heater was the gun we found. Yeah. <laughs> What? We, we found a gun behind the old water heater, like clearly <laughs> hidden behind the old water heater. Yeah, we, we found a murder weapon. Uh, it was just a little handgun. Yeah. Um, once again, Shan Shan's husband found it with us, let us keep it. Like, we wow. d- we discovered a gun on his property was running to us, and he was like, okay, bye. Um <laughs> 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 uh, and I, I was legitimately but irrationally mad at Jack because I came home from work one day and he turned into the cops. And I was like, why the fuck would you do that? Um, and of course you should do that. <laughs> like, that's the, the exact <laughs> yeah. right thing to do. But at, in the moment, I was like, I was excited that we found a gun. I don't know what I wanted to do with it. It's not like I wanted to yeah. go shoot it somewhere or yeah. do anything with it. I just was yeah. sad it was gone, I think. Um, you guys probably could have made, well, unless it was... It, unless it was a murder weapon, you probably could have made some money off that. But the thing, money. still selling an unregistered <laughs> yeah. gun to to somebody yeah. randomly is probably yeah, not yeah, something yeah, we want to make yeah. money doing. Yeah. Um, but uh, but no, my favorite moment was one time we're moving stuff and uh, and me and Jack and Shan Shan are standing outside and and Shan Shan's trying to figure out what Jack does for a living and. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's like, I'm a firefighter. She's like, what? What does that mean? And he's like, you know, like like when trees catch on fire, he's like, and I, uh, he's like, I help put them out. And uh, she goes, oh, you know that movie Friends? Phoebe Boyfriend, he a firefighter. <laughs> so we had a lot to connect about. Yeah. Yeah. So I just walked away in that moment, and Jack had to keep talking to Shin Shin about Phoebe Boyfriend and mm-hmm. the movie Friends. Yeah. The, um, the Friends movie that everyone remembers. Yeah. Um, well, Jack, did you see the preview for that Hot Shots movie that's coming out? I saw the Hot Shot movie. You saw it? Yeah. Was it good? 
it was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. Did um, you? Uh, so you guys went to it to make fun of it, right? Wasn't yeah. that your plan? Yeah, because the, the trailer looked absolutely just horrible. And they get like, a lot it of the It just looked like cliche, like very, like just preying on very patriotic feelings. Yeah. Um, they st- they get a lot of the fire stuff wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like they keep they call it water a lot during the movie. Yeah. I thought that was weird. Well, apparently all <laughs> trees and plants and stuff are just made out of gasoline. So yeah. if you just touch a lighter to them, they're just going to blow up. But uh, And all the aircraft stuff was pretty bad. But they got the general feel of hot shotting down as much mm-hmm. as they could in like an hour and a half movie. Yeah. So it wasn't. It definitely wasn't bad, and they handled the end really well. Yeah, is it about the crew that uh, that died like a year or two ago? And yeah, in 2013. Yeah, sorry, 2013. I thought it was like a year or two ago as well. We just had yeah. this conversation the other day. I was surprised to find out. Yeah, I thought it was more recent than that. I mean, 2013 is still pretty recent. It's like four years ago, Jack. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Time moves so much quicker up. when you're older. <laughs> Is your, do you have any volume problems? Do I have volume problems? The echo. It's hard to talk with the echo. Is it? Oh, because you hear your echo? Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I was wondering, because you're a Hotshots firefighter, so I was wondering like how that movie looked to you. But apparently you say it's okay. Yeah, it's... it's given the subject material and everything like that, it, it is it does that well and it's a good tribute to uh those guys and everything mm. um it's not the movie that like we wanted uh but that's pretty much just like two hours of dick jokes and then 15 minutes of a fire like yeah it's typically what hot shotting is it's not as exciting as people think it is there's it's just yeah, a it's lot a, of like it just seems like it's a lot of hard work and manual labor yeah. mostly yeah yeah you can only see so much saw work without being like, oh, that's annoying. I'm, I'm over it, you know? Yeah. Um, one second. What are you doing? What is he doing? I have no idea, but I can keep you talking You got to fill some dead air. Uh, did he walk away? He, uh, he did walk away. Yeah. Oh, wait. Hold on. That's much better. I just muted myself on Discord so that Jack wouldn't hear an echo. Gotcha. Like I muted myself cool. on his Discord. Oh my god, that is so much better. <laughs> it was really that hard to sense. talk for a while. Okay, cool. Yeah. The All right, p- we're good now. Yeah, the, let's start the podcast. <laughs> All right, welcome to Chatify. My name's Keith. I'm Sam, and I'm uh, Jack. Wow. Damn it! Didn't even have Can someone to switch names with. <laughs> <laughs> I have an echo. My name's Esther. <laughs> uh, cool. Um. Yeah, I saw the I saw the trailer for that when I went to see Blade Runner last week, mm-hmm. and and I had no idea they were making a Hot Shots movie. I I heard of that movie called what is it called Only the Brave or something like that. Yeah, that's the movie. Yeah, and I thought it was another like movie about the military. I had no idea it was a Hot Shots movie. Well, and Miles like, Teller is in a movie about the military coming out like right now as well. He's doing all of these like heart wrenching movies right now. That's that's probably where the confusion came in then. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I saw the trailer for it, and I was like, oh, fuck, that's what Jack does. And I was like, this is probably not a good representation, but you say they do all right, so. They do as, as best as I think they could have done. So 
just to give you a little backstory here, the the um, guys that wrote it wrote it off of a five page GQ article, right? <laughs> and the uh, and the people involved in the whole thing don't really want to talk about it. Um, yeah. So they pretty much relied on this five page GQ article to come up with this whole story. And given yeah. that and everything, they did a pretty good job. When I started hot shotting in uh, 2015, uh, that movie was already um, like Josh Brolin had already started tweeting about the movie, and it was in mm-hmm. post production. And I remember thinking like, "Oh, this is getting held," so I, I don't think it's going to be good. And then we saw the trailer, and the trailer looked like crap. Yeah. Um, but. I just I don't know. It's, I have a feeling like with uh, movies nowadays, they contract out to other companies to do the trailers, and it's they never get the tone of the movie right in the trailer. Yeah. And it, trailers have just been like destroying the idea of a movie. I think recently. Yeah, like there. Um, I feel like I saw a trailer once for Batman versus Superman that made it look like it might not be so terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every <laughs> Zack Snyder movie makes it look like it might be a good movie. And then yeah. I'm completely disappointed. Mm-hmm. It's you know I, I get it the focus on marketing and everything like that, but it's like the the road the movie the road that mm-hmm. trailer looked awful, it and then so that movie was pretty de- decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The trailer um, basically had every action scene in the movie, and then added ones. Yeah, and then they and then a whole bunch of global warming stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's like it was like five seconds in the beginning of the movie, and then. It was just like the book, basically, for yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's a good point to bring up with the trailers for movies because I think um, I've been thinking about that because I saw Blade Runner and the trailer for Blade Runner, I think I only watched one of them, was it was super light on spoilers in the story. And I, I think that's what probably probably why the movie didn't do well because they didn't want to put anything in the trailer that would spoil it because the movie is very uh, narrative heavy. It's not as action packed as they make it look in the in the previews. And I think people who know the source material would know that that's the case. Um, but then you know, like like Batman v Superman, Justice League is getting like six fucking trailers, and I feel like just like Batman v Superman, I've seen the movie already, potentially. Well, there's um, going to be a surprise twist where uh, something even dumber than was in the trailers happens. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. I think with Blade Runner, though, it just you had to produce that movie knowing full well you weren't going to make a lot of money. I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't a, a small-budget art house film back in the 70s, and it was just sort of the same idea. And I loved it, and I think it, they did great, but... I don't you think you saw the new one. Yeah, I don't think you're yeah. like that. Movie's never going to have a draw. Like a, they certainly tried to market it like a popcorn action summer flick, mm-hmm. and I think that they wanted to make some money because I can't imagine it was cheap. It it looked pretty, it looked pretty expensive from like the production values, uh, costumes, and the sets that they had to build. Yeah, because it, it looked like, and a lot of it looked, uh, you know, like practical effects. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they did some pretty unique stuff with like some of the characters or some of the like the ads throughout the city. They weren't like actually CG. They they had they like created like a light that would produce the images, almost like a hologram, I guess. Um, so like there's that one part in the trailer where that girl's all huge, 
Um, that's not a CG character. That's actually like happening in real life and captured. It's just like a light show, basically. Oh, okay. I didn't know they that. did a lot. Of, they did a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I can't imagine it's cheap, but it's still it's disappointing. I think it's just disappointing that it did um, not as well as it could have at the box office because it's a great movie. It's a really good movie. It's the kind of movie that like I wish people would push for more, um, but. You know, no, I agree. I'll, I'll just take my Marvel movies and be content. Yeah. And honestly, you know, I I have a, the feeling that it's going to be similar to the first, where you're going to get the guys that really enjoyed the movie bringing the movie home, and and word of mouth is going to spread, and it'll become more of a cult film later on. Um, but I guess that's what doesn't disappoint me is that I was expecting and kind of hoping for that, mm-hmm. and it it lived it lived up to what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But it, and like I don't need a third. That's the other thing. So a third film. Yeah. I I don't think there will be. It'd be hard um, to justify it at this point. I think it, they're not making any money out of it. Yeah, I don't think there will be at least for maybe another thirty years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I think that movie stands uh, well enough on its own. Like I don't I. I don't even think that you really need to see the first one because I think it does a good job of explaining everything that you would need to know from the first one within the context of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, obviously, it's a better experience if you've seen the first one, but uh, I think just the fact that it's not called Blade Runner 2, um, it's called Blade Runner 2049, I think it really can and should stand on its own. One of the um, things I really liked was I, I saw it with a bunch of people who had never seen Blade Runner, the first one, and mm-hmm. just vaguely knew it existed. And then all yeah. of them went out to uh, and like rented the first one. And I was pretty excited about that. After seeing this one? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was, it was as great as I thought it would be. Mm. Have you seen that guy, any of that guy's uh, other films? The director? What else has he done? He did the last movie he did was Arrival. Before that, it was Sicario. Oh, I saw Sicario. Yeah, did yeah. you like that? Uh, yeah, that was okay. Yeah, I watched it like a few nights before I saw Blade Runner, and I was really into it. I really liked that. I, I like that guy's uh, directing style. It's a little slower. <laughs> you get to sit with the characters for a little bit, mm-hmm. digest some scenes. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, but anyway, the trailers is like we're getting to this point where and Sam, maybe you can chime in of like everyone is so worried about spoilers and trailers. Um, no, everyone the, isn't. Nobody is. That's what drives me crazy. But they are. There are vocal people that complain about this stuff. Um, but it's this is a tough conversation to have because it's like what constitutes a spoiler is not consistent person to person so it's kind of hard to keep everyone happy you know it's like it's a damned if you do damned if you don't situation with these things and i i don't know what the answer is because i love the trailers for blade runner but they didn't get anybody in the seats because it was didn't tell you anything about that movie um and but then we get trailers for things like you know, any Marvel movie probably has two or three trailers as well. And, you know, some of them have spoiled a lot of stuff. Some of them are pretty great at holding secrets, but 
And then most of them do. Um, sorry, good. Oh, I was just gonna say, and there's this whole thing where like everyone's trying to break some news on the in- on the internet about like here's a secret thing that's going to happen in this Marvel movie, and I just wish we weren't like like why do we need to know that? They're obviously make holding it as a secret for you. It's supposed to be a surprise for you, right. you know. Like, what if you never knew that Spider Man was going to be in Civil War? Like, what if that was just a total surprise the night you went to the theater? I would have been like, so goddamn excited. Um, right. And the truth is, I forgot that Spider Man was in Civil War. Until yeah. that trailer came out, the trailer I didn't want to watch, mm-hmm. where I still got to see a million photos of Spider-Man, even without trying to watch it. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I've, I think I've gone off on this exact thing before, um, and it's just... Uh, I The thing is, I think that trailers should... Ideally, trailers should respect the movie enough to not show you... 80% of the plot. Um, yeah. I understand that sometimes they realize, oh, this movie is probably not going to make a ton of money. We need to get as many people in as we can. So let's just show all the good shit so that people will come in. Um, the thing is, trailers are avoidable. Like, I I don't mind that they put Spider-Man in that Civil War trailer. What I mind is that I was forced to see it even though I didn't want to watch the trailer. Um, yeah. That's where the problem is to me. The problem is more in the internet age, everything's about getting a click. So the article was Spider-Man, like first look at Spider-Man in the new Civil War trailer, which then is a thumbnail of Spider-Man in his costume holding Cap's shield. So I didn't want to see it, but even going on social media, I got to see what Spider-Man looked like. And what bothers me even beyond that is if I did want to watch that trailer, Spider-Man is the money shot of the trailer. It's two and a half minutes, and the surprise scene at the end is Spider-Man showing up. Mm-hmm. So if I want to watch a trailer, it's all—it's still the experience, the two and a half minute experience that somebody cut together to be watched from start to finish is spoiled because uh, people want clicks on their articles. Like That's what drives me crazy. I understand that trailers are out there and that I... I don't want to watch them. Like I'm almost at the point where I'm going to start covering my eyes and ears for certain trailers in movie theaters and I'm going to look stupid, but like, and that's, I, if I go to a movie theater and this, the new star Wars trailer shows up, I'm going to do that. I'm going to cover my, close my eyes and cover my ears. Um, cause I don't want to see it. Um, yeah, I actively don't want to see it. The social media thing is a real problem because people will like, just for liking something it'll spoil something for me like with the most recent i'm not going to spoil it but the, with the most recent star wars trailer there's like imp- apparently there's like implications in it and that implication was just the it was the headline of an article with like this picture that could be kind of spoilery right and i was like i don't want to see that like i don't want to know this story beat if it is or isn't part of the movie at all like i don't i just don't want it in my mind I don't want to percolate. That movie comes out next month. I can wait, you know? Yeah. And I've, I've gotten to this point where I only I only really want to watch a trailer for a movie if I'm, if I'm iffy, if I'm going to go see it, you know? Like, if I... I know I'm going to see all these Marvel movies. I don't really need to watch all the trailers. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you have my money. You've proven yourself. You've proven yourselves. Um, if something seems like a drastic change for them, you know, if, like, if the next guardians movie gets made and it's not James Gunn 
then I probably need to see the trailer to see what the new tone's going to be, if it's going to be any different, you know? But I feel the same. That's the thing. Even something I'm excited for, um, that sentence was weird. Even something I'm excited for, um, I, I'll usually watch the teaser. I'll watch the first thing they put out because it, like, it, it kicks off that, like, home stretch excitement, even though home yep. stretch for these big releases is, like, nine months. But it's like, I kind of like, usually teasers are good at actually teasing. Um, yeah. The Star Wars teaser I thought was great at teasing. It's given me even ideas of where the story might be heading, but it's still, I had to make a lot of connections in my head of like, I think this is what they mean. I think this is what they mean. And I'm really happy to just be there. Like, I don't want to know anything else. If I can make it to December 15th without seeing or hearing anything else, I'm going to be super excited. Um and you know i have to be careful like our friend roger did he tell you like roger had something he big spoiled for the movie for him um no yeah he didn't tell me um yeah he and i actually were texting and bitching about just just that same that spoiler culture um i think i talked in one of our other episodes about um i no actually i'm not gonna say anything um but uh it's yeah it's super frustrating and it's uh the the net gain it just sucks the fun out. That's why I don't understand. Like it just makes the end product less fun. And if it doesn't bother you, uh, then that's fine. Like Jack and I came to terms with this together. I feel like a while ago. Like Jack doesn't care that much about spoilers, but he understands mm-hmm. that I do, and uh, that's all that it needs to be. Like, yeah, him not being able to say something to me like doesn't ruin his day. But if he does say something, like it will, it sucks. Like I don't like it. So I. Uh, I don't yeah, know. We definitely we definitely think differently on the issue, um, because it, it doesn't bug me at all, and I can kind of I kind of see the the reasoning uh, and the like why they do it. I mean, it's comics. Uh, like it, if you're looking at like just the Marvel movies and stuff in general, for one, like the whole Spider Man thing, I think Marvel was psyched that they they did that for fans. You know, they sold yeah. Spider Man and they were able to make this compromise, um, which took them a while. And I think they were just psyched about it. And then, you know, growing up reading comics, comics are very much, you turn to the last page of the issue and it gives you some spoiler about the next issue. Um, yeah. to suck you in and psych you up about it. And even if, you know, when I was buying comics as a kid and stuff like that, they had my money. Uh, but that culture is just, is just about sucking you in and continually, doing that and i don't think they're going to change in any way um now i you know i think there needs to be like a middle ground obviously i feel differently so i'm not going to just come up to sam and spoil stuff for him that i know that's gonna ruin his day but there there's definitely are ways to avoid it yeah i mean red i always talk about reddit reddit's a great way to avoid it it's a text-based web page yeah. And you've got mods. I love on, Reddit. Yeah. That are like super serious about spoilers and will like take something down the instance it's put up. And that and Reddit is slowly becoming the like legitimate front page of the internet. Anything you want to read or hear is going to be on that front page. So yeah, you can just go there. I mean, uh, I think it's definitely getting easier to avoid nowadays. Like, except for like maybe sitting in the theater and having your eyes held open. Yeah. Um, which I hate that theaters are doing that now. Yeah, I know. It that is, really bothers yeah. me. It's, you already have my money. <laughs> Just let me watch the damn film how I want to watch it. 
Um, no, I agree. Like, that's the thing. I I try to, to take my own responsibility. Like, I used to go to this website, superherohype.com, all the time for news about yeah. superhero movies. And they were terrible about spoiling shit. And I'd get really mad. And then at some point, I was like, maybe I should stop going to the website that clearly yeah. doesn't have boundaries. Like, this is my... After one time, this is my fault. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. Like, I go to these places. I just wish they had a little bit better just better policy but i also feel like we've talked this topic into the ground on the show before and it can't be that interesting (laughs) to keep going over i suppose Uh, yeah so let's talk about something fun and positive which is a little old game that came out on friday yeah uh i've been playing that mario odyssey oh is that is that the game yeah i thought we were talking about wolfenstein the new colossus the Wolfenstein, the new classes, I haven't played. Jack, but I really want to about uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. I will not play that because <laughs> uh, it still looks like they're not. Ubisoft's not fooling me. You still make an Assassin's Creed. It's not any different. But don't you just because like you Assassin's took Creed? one year off? You think you just fucking reinvented the Assassin's Creed wheel? It still looks like you're walking around going to one spot opening up a map and having a fucking regurgitated bunch of shit happening on it. And then no, there's nothing left to the, the eye to explore. You're just following a fucking map to everything. I see but what's going on here. There's pyramids. Yeah. And there's a minority leads, lead actors. Whoa. Well, now I'm out. I'll be playing Wolfenstein. <laughs> oh, no, man. No minorities in that. I really want to play Wolfenstein so badly, but... I really need to start watching my spending as far as video games go. Um, so. I'm going to play too, but I think if I get it, I'll get it on the Switch. Because I just think it's really cool that it's coming to the Switch. Yeah, hell yeah. I'm Except playing on the PC because look I'm way better PC. on my PC, yeah. Yeah, I'm playing on the PC for sure. Um, uh, anywho, Mario Odyssey. Yeah. Um, let's see. So yeah, let's do a check-in. Where? How far are we all? I'm the furthest, so you guys check in. Okay. Um, I'm on the, like on the fourth world, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I'm traveling to the yeah. We're, I'm just right behind you. Yeah, Jack and I are about the same place. I have about uh, probably like ninety moons, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm at, at like one... fifty-five because I'm impatient. Yeah, I'm at like one fifty or something like that. Damn girl, so, I'm not that far, that much further ahead of you. I th- I think I'm on world five. I can't. Re- I I don't remember. I'm not that much farther ahead of you though. Yeah, I've just been. I've I've really been trying to like soak in every level and just kind of enjoy it and explore it. And yeah, uh, before I move on, that's a good question. In general, I think like because everybody these games sort of set you up to play them how you want. Um, yeah. So you are you trying to like hundred percent a level before you move on, or are you no. what are you trying to do? No, I'm um, not trying to 100% it. Um, I do... I'll do as much as I think is fun. And as soon as it starts to become, like, work, basically, I'm like, I'm going to move on, and I'm going to save this for later. Um, and I probably do, like... Uh, there's a list you can reference when you're in your ship of uh, like how many you can like track all your data as far as like how many moons right. you've gotten on a certain level. I'm probably at like 80% of the moons 
of every level I've been on. I haven't 100% in any level. I've gotten 100% of the currency on two of the levels. Oh, wow. Um, that that, that level-specific currency. Mm-hmm. You know you can uh, access that list not in your ship, right? You can? Yeah. Dope. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I kind of approach it the same way I'm approaching Zelda, or that I did approach Zelda, which is just... You know, uh, do it. You ju- you just kind of explore. Like there, you have a very basic objective at each level, right? But uh, once you do that, you're kind of open to explore. And and I just explore until I'm basically like I'm ready for a new setting, and then I just hop off. It was much easier for me to do that in Zelda than yeah. it is in Mario because I think because of it it being a platformer and stuff, I'm mm-hmm. just like, okay, where's the next obstacle? Like, where's the next thing I got to do? As Zelda, I just explored. I thought that was just part of it. Like, you had to do that. And yeah, I think Mario is pushing you a little more than Zelda was. Yeah. What do you mean? Zelda tells you to beat Ganon, like, right when you start it. Yeah. It's like, geez, exactly. give me a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's not as loose as Zelda, but that's okay. I think that's fine. I think it's I think appropriate for this that's game. That's great. That's not like... So Jack and I were talking about this the other day. Um, and I, by the way, I'm kind of in between you two, like... I'm moving a little bit faster than you through the levels, Keith, but I'm I'm playing with the same attitude of, like, I move on when I want to. Like, I feel like yeah. it, a couple years ago I started playing open games like that because I used to sort yeah. of set rules for myself. Like, okay, I will only move on after I've done this. I'll only move on after I've done this. Like, yeah. Or I won't stray too much. I'll just stick to this. Like, And it, it wasn't as much fun. Cause there, but So I started, I think, maybe with, like, Fallout 4, and then I mm-hmm. really tried to play Zelda that way. It's like I'm going to do what I want to do. Like I'm just going to play however feels right in the moment. Like I'm not going to stick to any strict rule of I need to get 100% before I do this. Like so I've been doing the same thing and it's it's almost like as soon as I start thinking where should I go next cuz you like this Mario game is so good at just like every time you go somewhere there's something else right around the corner. You're like, "Oh, what's that? Oh, what's that? Oh, what's that?" Yeah. Like every time I've been about to quit playing or about to move on, I end up getting like six more moons before I do what I was planning yeah, on doing. It's really bad to be playing it before bed. Yeah. For um, me. But yeah, Jack and I were talking about this earlier. Um, I'm really enjoying it, but I don't personally like a lot of people are like finally an open world Mario. And it's yeah. like, I'm excited about it. But it's also not something I need for Mario. I don't. I I love Mario. I love the challenge of of hundred percenting a Mario game, and yeah. that's mostly platforming and stuff. Um, I like levels in Mario. I don't need Mario to be open and structureless. Um, I'm really enjoying it, and that's, I don't mean that necessarily as a negative for the game, but it's more like just a negative on the the conversation I heard around it when it was coming out. It was like, oh, finally we're getting a sandbox Mario. And it's like that is I mean, it's cool. It's neat they're doing it, but to me, it's not this. The series doesn't need it. I would have been fine if this was the exact same game, but it was more rigid. Um, it doesn't really feel like an open world to me. It just kind of feels like it feels like the next step up for Galaxy, where Galaxy uh, Galaxy also had these levels that were pretty open ended. Like it, definitely levels you would visit more than once because there was more than there's probably like five stars in a level, right? Yeah. Um, it just feels like so it feels like Galaxy without loading screens like 
you, you it's the same thing where you hop into a level and there's a bunch of stars to get it's just you don't have to load up the individual missions they're just all there for you to right. tackle at a quicker pace that's how it feels to me which and definitely like, i just say it definitely adds to the uh that like oh i'll just do one more thing attitude yeah like when the game forces you out it's a very logical stopping point but when every yeah. time you get a moon you just keep playing it's like mm. it's really a lot harder to stop yeah and uh i love it it's uh I'm overall loving it. I don't think I don't think there's anything specifically about the structure of it that bothers me at all. The only thing that really bothers me is these motion controls and like you and you can't turn them off. Like you have to use them at certain points. Yeah, um, I'm with you there because I've I've never been a fan of motion controls. Like I don't dislike that they're in games. Like fine if you like the that kind of stuff, then go for it. Yeah. But I generally just like to sit still and play my video game. Yeah, uh, and the motion controls have been kind of annoying. I've been playing it handheld, while Sam plays it like on the TV. So I've yeah. been largely trying to just go without motion controls, and it definitely hinders you. There's times. There's actually, and I discovered this last night. There's times that you absolutely have to use them to get some moons, and I was like, "That is, uh, I don't like this." Yeah, this should it should be optional, especially in your flagship game like Mario and. When you know that the Switch is the sort of thing that people are going to be playing handheld, like, you have to have the option for sure, you know? Um, I They haven't bothered me yet. Um, I did just have my worst encounter with them, which is, like, I don't know if my, I need to recalibrate my Joy-Cons or something, but I, like, could not throw my hat up. Um, really? But every other instance of them, I haven't had any real issue. Because almost all of the motion controls is just shake it. Like, so it's... Which is, it's bullshit because it could have been something else. It could have just been the, you know, A button or something. Yeah. Um, but most of them are just like, you can press Y to jump with this guy or shake the remote to jump higher. Like, it's always something like that. I feel like it's not really precision based. With the hat, it actually pays attention to, like, your directions. But it's still, like, pretty broad motions. And so I do, I agree. I think that there's no reason that they there's no reason that you should have to use them there are people that don't yeah. want to and there are people that can't there are people that are handicapped that like playing video games that can't swing their fucking arms around yeah um and locking them out of some moons is is bullshit um yeah that thing where you like have to jump higher like you have to use the motion control to jump higher to get certain moons right and i was like man it, it's like it's you know realistically it's not a big thing because i well, cause I, and also, like, when I'm playing with the Pro Controller, it's like, I just want to sit here. I don't want to fucking shake my goddamn Pro Controller, you know? It's like, there's so many buttons on this thing. Map it to something, you know? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I agree. Like, they, goddamn adult. They don't bother me specifically, but I agree. I think that they should be mappable. Uh, yeah. So, I'm not personally bothered by it, but I think it's stupid that they don't have another option. Other than that, the game is fucking magnificent. Like, yeah. It's, it is just 100% joy straight to the brain. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think it's weird. Uh, obviously, you know, they got rid of lives and stuff like that. But for me, it's weird that they still have coin blocks because I mm-hmm. used to get so excited about, like, what was going to be in the coin block. And now it's yeah. pretty much just either a coin or a heart because yeah. all of your power-ups are through the hat. And I just thought it was yep. weird that they just kept them. Because there's no... Um, Real, yeah. Mystery. I never thought about anymore. that. Yeah, I didn't I think about, about that, that either, Jack. That was what I wanted to bring up, but I didn't. 
I brought a, I waited for this moment. Nice. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> that. That really is podcasting. How a conversation flows. Yeah. Um, Keith, you've gotten kind of quiet on our Discord or on mine at least. I put my mic like up my face. Is oh. that better? This, yeah, the sound comes from the bottom of your face. We yeah. I literally I tell you this before we record every time. I know, but it, it gets weird because it like t- it touches the other microphone that I'm speaking into. So I'm like, let me move it, and then you're like, I can't hear you anymore. Oh, see, I just do that on purpose. Anyway, is this better? Yeah, yep. a lot better. Okay, good. Um, yeah, every single. It it is the same thing that uh, like when I was playing Galaxy, where it it takes all of the annoying parts that I hate about video games and finds a way to make them fun to do. Like, like the swimming parts in games, I typically don't like because yeah. it, it just slows down the pace, and you have to it adds stuff that I don't think is necessary. But then it's like in Mario, I'm pretty sure we've both all because of where your progress is. You've been to the lake place. That's where I am, and that's where Jack's heading. Okay, um, yeah, stuff like that. They make fun with like being able to use your hat to do stuff. You know, it's it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so swimming is not too bad. Yeah, it's just, it is. It's a joy to play for sure. And I don't, like, I didn't want to sound negative on the game earlier. It was more just negative on, like, I, whereas Zelda, it's like, finally. Like, this is what I've, this is what I've always been waiting for out of a Zelda. Um, mm-hmm. I don't feel that way about this Mario. I, I, I wasn't clamoring for a far more open Mario, but I am yeah. loving this Mario. Yeah, I guess it is more part of Zelda's DNA, is that it's always been an open-world game. Um, right. And Mario has always been a platformer, but I feel like I feel like those new Super Mario games were more of a regression or, like, uh, a stall in progress for that series. Um, and I liked, where, I liked what the Mario worlds, or the 3D land and 3D world had done like they were fun and they brought it back to an older feel Mario, but it definitely didn't. Those games didn't feel like the next step after galaxy. Like I think that they should have been right. Um, I know what you mean. And I still think they're amazing games and I played the shit out of them and love them. But Odyssey feels like, okay, this is, this is the next step after for better or worse. You know, this is the next step after galaxy. And from what I could tell, they still, they still rely on the specific challenges. Like it's not open world in the same way, like a GTA is open world, you know, there's still very uh, linear direct challenges, I think within the worlds, but um, they just, it's just a bigger sandbox to play in. And it's not like it's all one world that you travel in. It's that it's, there's zoning in the game. So it's, it's just, you travel from zone to zone. You have to load into them. Right. Um, and um, I like having themed worlds. That's always fun. I agree. And uh, most importantly, I like having outfits. Fuck I yeah. Do. Yeah, I, I do like the there's outfits. There's not a single game, I think, that that can't be made better by outfits. Yeah, dude. Uh, those, It's uh, cosmetics. People love it. And people love it more when they're not hidden behind loot boxes and Bullsh- uh, microtransactions that people love to do these days. All right, we did this last time, Keith. We don't need to go off on microtransactions again. Mario's a good contrast for that, though. You know, that I feel like it's appropriate if we want to go there. But 
Um, Mario, Nintendo has retained its soul with this stuff. It would have been super easy, and people would have b- paid for like extra costumes, or if you had random loot chests with co- outfits in it, people would have fucking paid for that shit. I don't know. I, that's the thing. I don't see how it could fit in a game like that. I could see a $20 DLC pack that comes out eventually with some new worlds and new outfits, and I would buy it. Um, oh, yeah. But I don't see how a randomized loot system would fit in the Mario world. Yeah. Super Mario World. Yeah. Mm. Did either of you guys um, 100% uh, 3D World on the Wii U? No. No? I did, except for the very last level. Well, that's what I was going to say, is that very last level is one of my proudest video game accomplishments. It was so goddamn hard. I was super into it, and that that ends, the whole end area, it's like post-game, all those levels are incredible because the game is not hard. It's because you have, they have to cater to like kids that still like to play right. it, and then the adults that are playing it for nostalgia, I guess. Yeah. Um, and those that last world had lots of really tough, challenging levels. Yeah, and I was two, into it. There were but, two specifically in that world that were like nightmarishly hard. Yeah. Um, and I was gonna fucking for sure beat that level, but something I guess something at the time came up or. I don't remember why. I'd make an excuse for that, but that was a good I didn't one. Beat it. There was a level in Mario Galaxy Two. It was like the final level, and that one was super fucking hard. I remember mm-hmm. I beat it, and then I opened up the very final star in the game, which was beat that level again without taking a single hit of damage. And I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like it was so hard to beat it at all, and mm-hmm. then it was like, "Cool, last star, do it without getting hurt." <laughs> yeah, um, and I did. That was another one. I think I was uh, at Jadub and Dana's at the time, uh, and they just watched me for a while play this level over and over and over again. Yeah, weird tangent. That's why I liked that movie, um, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, so much because it just felt mm-hmm. like playing a really hard Mario level. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, it was Tom Cruise and uh, oh Ray yeah, because mm-hmm. that was actually a really good movie. Oh yeah, I do remember that. It's like Groundhog's Day, but yeah. in war. Yeah. I um, remember liking that movie a lot, but falling asleep watching it at your house. So I need to finish that still. Yeah, you should. It's good. Um, well, I was going to say about the Switch, I really like what they've been doing with those kid games. And it, knowing adults love Mario Kart and love Mario and stuff like that. And making yeah. it accessible for kids, but then also difficult. Like with Mario Kart having the uh, like driving assist, like acceleration yeah. and, the, and the turning assist and everything. Yeah, I just think they've done they've rolled out a really good system so far. So that all that stuff is really smart. The one place where they drop the ball is that when you boot up the game, you have to go in and disable it. And where it I is, feel like yeah, you you should have to enable it rather than go through the yeah, it's thing super dumb that it's enabled by default. I agree. Yeah, um, no, they've been Nintendo's been doing that stuff for a bit now. I think it started with one of the new Super Mario games where. If you died like eight times on a level, this block would show up, and when you hit it, it basically made you invincible. Um, and I remember at the time reading a bunch of articles that were like really negative on it. Like Nintendo is made, giving you a free pass for like to beat its games, um, but the actuality what it did is that Nintendo got to make games exactly how they wanted and exactly as hard as they wanted, 
and then give kids an easy way to get through them. So like I yeah. think I feel like I benefited from that because they the Mario games all got way harder. Like hundred percenting a bunch of the new Mario games lately, like the new Super Mario Brothers games and uh the 3D Mario's like has been really difficult. There's been some super challenging pieces. Um and I think that's something they would have been less comfortable doing beforehand because they didn't want to make make it impossible to beat for kids. Um yeah. so yeah, I definitely agree. I think I think it's really cool because it allows them the opportunity to make it to make it satisfying for you if whether you want to try hard uh, whether you want to be a tryhard, or if you haven't got good yet, there you yeah. go. That's what they yeah. say. Get good. Um. Oh, here's something uh, interesting. I quit. I, I unsubscribed from the Overwatch Reddit, and I enjoy uh-huh. playing Overwatch more now. <laughs> Is the Overwatch Reddit like toxic? Yeah, super salty. It's salty, but it's more like I just realized. That I think what was happening is that. Every single person on the Overwatch Reddit uh, is, according to them, super great. Everyone else on their team sucks. Um, and so it's really hard not to get that attitude after a while. And not so much the attitude, but it's like, I just read about all these people that complain about being platinum, you know? And then I mm. play and I'm bronze. And it I just makes me feel bad because from reading Reddit, I feel like I should be better. Um, and that was part of it. Yeah, this like... Just there's this fucking attitude that I know drives you crazy too, Jack. Of like everyone's like, look, as a Lucio main, this drives me. And it's like, dude, the game has 25 characters. Like play them. Yeah. <laughs> like don't be a yeah. main. Like it's. I think having a main is silly, and and being a proclaimed like I play this one out of 25 characters only, uh, is stupid. Uh, with Reddit, the bigger the subreddit, like people complain about really big subreddits and how they i don't know there's like no community in them but if you go around the like the stuff i like i I guess maybe i just don't want to be a part of the community because they generally just piss me off like i unsubscribed to the nintendo switch reddit because all i wanted was news i'm about to do the same thing like just tell me news and instead i just got like a bunch of fan art of the splatoon characters and then people like look at my stardew valley house and stuff and it's like okay neat i don't really give a shit about this i don't know and you get and they and the ownership on those subreddits. It's like this is for me. Yeah. This and instead of just sort of like this is a neat thing that was made and I enjoy. That there's just the ownership has just been really driving me nuts lately. This guy um that I work with, we were talking about Rick and Morty. This is a tangent, but uh he was talking about a specific episode. I'm gonna stop you. We don't do tangents oh, on the show. <laughs> he was talking about a specific episode. And we disagreed on I was like, yeah, that episode was okay, but I wasn't too into it. And he was like, well, I guess it just spoke to me. Like, and I don't know what it was about the way he said it and stuff, but I was just like, why do we have to take ownership of other people's stuff all the time in this day and age? Like, what? It didn't speak to you. You watched it and enjoyed it. Like, it's, it's not like Dan Harmon was sitting there being like, man, I hope fucking Evan, this is going to kill it with him. <laughs> like, there's just such an, like, an immediate ownership with our generation. And I see that on Reddit all the time, in the Overwatch subreddit and stuff like that. And I just have to unsubscribe from those things because I'm just like, it's, it's just too much for me. I don't know. It drives me nuts. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. Um, I have to imagine that a little bit of it, a little bit of the obnoxiousness of it 
is because of the way the internet is now you could put your opinion out there and find 10 people that agree with you and that just hits the right trigger in your brain of like fuck yeah i'm right and these people back me up and you know it's just like tribalism like instead of people wanting their beliefs challenged especially when it comes to stuff they like like video games or movies or tv like if whatever they feel about it is the way it is you know and and no one wants to have their challenges believe uh, or beliefs sorry their <laughs> beliefs challenged uh because because i don't know why you know can you not make a good enough argument then you probably don't feel enough about it you know it's yeah. like i don't know I think I think that that's it though. I think that people are more comfortable finding a tribe than having themselves challenged at all, which is a shame because it really does make you better to have yourself have your beliefs challenged in any way. This is, I mean like and not just for the games, but like, you know, it, even politically or just everything. It's good. It sharpens your mind, you know? It sharpens you as a person. It gets you to it, when you have to defend yourself a bunch, that's when you become good at it. And it's something that I try to like. I've been a kitchen manager for a while at uh, at my job. That is my job. God, English is a tough language for me. Um, Just and call it your things. future ex job. Yeah, it is my future ex job. Um, but like as a leader, like. Those, that's one of the things I try to challenge my employees with is I, I'll always question them. And and th- some people cannot handle that. Like, they just can't stand it. And it's like, that's too bad, man, because if you, if you can't handle – and, I, like, I'm not intelligent. Like, I'm, I'm low, bottom of the fucking barrel when it comes to – We know. S- yeah, exactly. So if you can't even handle me questioning the things that you – put out there like you're gonna get fucking eaten alive out there in the world you know what i mean so it's just yeah i i just what what's hard in in this generation is the uh there's that and that like you know you can't i can't be wrong i you know um lack of challenging your ideals and that kind of stuff but there's also this projected um ownership uh, like that you are responsible for the thing yeah. you didn't do. And, yeah. and that drives me nuts more than not being able to challenge your, like yourself and your point of view. Yeah. Um, and it's everywhere. Like there's this episode of radio lab where the whole episode was just this woman talking about how she witnessed another couple going through something and she was just watching it through her window and she's just, she's like tearing up and crying and like, and, and, and talking about how, how hard it was for her. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You weren't over there. Like you, yeah. it wasn't hard for you. You were just watching it. How are you, how are you able to project this? Like you can't possibly put yourself in this situation just because you were able to see it. It's like, I watch a movie I watch Blade Runner and I'm like, man, it's, you know, this life is so hard. Like, yeah, it, it you can't just keep projecting yourselves and, and, and claiming ownership of shit that you have nothing to do with. And everybody does that constantly. Um, yeah. And 
what I especially find toxic about being on Reddit or being on the message board of like anything that has to do with video games is people want to act like they know what it's like to make a video game and to say like, why don't they just program this and the thing? Well, it's like, you don't know what engine they're using or how complicated it is. You don't know shit about what they do. Like it's making games is so ridiculously hard, you know? Mm-hmm. How do you know? So, oh shit! Because I, I do. I think I do more research on it than most people do. Um, but yeah, it's it's a complicated job. It's probably one of I, people have said it's like one of the hardest jobs in entertainment, like making games. Yeah, um, that was a that Overwatch fans all, all the time talk about how how easy it should be for Blizzard to do X or Y, and that's always that was always a frustrating one, like. Why can't you just add this in? People have been asking for it for a year. And it's like... There's like... Look at all the shit up, they did. Yeah. When people like have to patch games and stuff, uh, I don't know what it's like on PC, but for like consoles, they, they have to go through all sorts of certifications just to get one patch out. It's it's a ton of work. Like, It's yeah, not they like they can just hit it. PC is the Wild West. They don't have to do that at all. It Really? Yeah, it's not like they can go like hit a button and go change this and then it just goes through. It's it has to go through a bunch of fucking loopholes. Um, yeah, that is like it, Overwatch is notorious with that with the fans just being like, "Can we fix this already?" And it's like, "Yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing it. They're working on it." But then <laughs> what I like like so I just am, I'm a, I get mad at both sides cuz then you have the people that also act like they know everything and defend the team. They're like, you think it's easy to do this? First you have to do this, then you have to do this, and then you have to do this. And it's like, you don't know that either, man. <laughs> like, neither yeah. of you guys know what the fuck they're doing. They got a system, like, the reason you're so mad is because you love this fucking game so much that they made. So just let them keep making it. Mm-hmm. Like, let them keep doing it. Like, you're basically saying, you made the best game I've ever played, and it's 99% perfect, but I'm going to be furious at you for not making a 100% perfect product. Yeah. Like, and that's that type of shit drives me crazy. I'm trying to sit on Jack's ownership comment and figure out where to go with it. Because it's an interesting perspective. Um, yeah. And I think I personally enjoy a degree of ownership with the things I like. But it's it's part, I'm very particular with it. I only feel ownership over certain things. And obviously with everything, there's a middle ground. And right. I think with the internet and stuff like that, you don't ever see the middle ground. Yes. Social media shows you pendulums. You see one way or the other. Yeah. And uh, and what I don't like is the... Um, and personally, I think the other way is the right way. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And, and so it, I don't like those that extremism, like that Radiolab episode. And that, to me, was a perfect... Because uh, a friend recommended it to me, and was like, "You gotta listen to this episode. is is uh, amazing. It's it's like it'll get you into Radiolab. And it, as far as Radiolab goes, I do enjoy their show. Uh, right. Despite this episode, I I actually really like the podcast. But it was a perfect example of just like what I was trying to talk about with the whole this the whole episode centers around this lady and what she went through observing what somebody else went through. Right. I always think of that David Cross joke where he's talking about um, after September 11th. He's like, do you think somebody in New York, New York, in Vegas was like, I was in the Twin Towers in <laughs> Vegas. That could have been me, not me. You know, like mm-hmm. took the day off that, you know. I work in the Little Eiffel Tower across yeah. from the little, yeah. Um, and that, that 
is the type of ownership that just that drives me nuts and stuff. And then when you argue with people and they take that ownership, like, well, it's it spoke to me and and that kind of stuff. No, you enjoyed it, you know. It's, yeah, and so Rick and Morty, I think, is a good example of the extremism. Um, I we talked about this a little bit earlier, and I don't think you've seen too much of it, but like, there's been this huge blowback lately on Rick and Morty fans um, because they all. The bad Rick and Morty fans have this great sense of ownership to the point where they think they know what's right for the show and what isn't. And so when the show that they love so much does something they don't like, they say, no, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. Instead of, I didn't like this episode, it's like, no, you're making the episode wrong. It's not what Rick and Morty is supposed to be. And it's like, the show's in its third fucking season. Like, you can't, you don't own it, you know? Um, And that's, I mean, it was... It was shown with like the fucking Sichuan sauce fiasco yeah. of rioting at McDonald's stores because they want these the sauce. Like there is this very negative sense of ownership associated with that show. Um, but so yeah, like it, but it is interesting because I I feel like in order for me to consider something my favorite, I have to feel a sense of ownership in some way and like. I'm not delusional enough to think that I'm the only person that likes anything or even that I like part of the, the negativity of ownership I think is that these people think I like this. I get it better than you. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I think that's part of it is like, Oh, you might like Rick and Morty, but you don't like it. Like I like it. You don't understand it on a level. Like I understand it. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's a huge negative but it's like I, I still like that's that's like a it is a prerequisite for me for something to be like a favorite is that I have to feel like maybe just that it's not extremely like that, that there's that not everyone already knows how great it is like so that I get to feel feel a specialness with it maybe a specialist is a better better mm-hmm. word to thing like I my favorite TV show is Venture Brothers and Venture Brothers is a very popular show. But there's plenty of people who have never even heard of it. And it does give it a sense. It does add a feeling of specialness to it. Um, if every single person loved Venture Brothers, it wouldn't feel special to me. And it might make it harder for it to be my favorite. Like, it's, I wish I could just evaluate it solely on content. But I can't. Like, there is a piece of where it fits in my life and the world that I have to take into account. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I apply that... I apply the the term of ownership. I think I mentioned that earlier this week. Of like, I I do feel like some ownership is necessary for me, um, in order for something to get to the point of favorite. Like, not in order for me to enjoy something. I love Rick and Morty, but I don't feel like it's my show at all. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like I feel like Venture Brothers is my. I feel like I'm one of the owners of Venture Brothers. One of many. Like, I don't feel like it is mine, and it's not anybody else's but I do feel like it's a special show for me. And I don't know why, like, I don't know why that is. I don't know what makes me draw that line over the other. Yeah. I think, um, I think that when you get to the point where you feel that sense of ownership, where you get to the Rick and Morty fans that are like, this is not the show. This is, this is wrong. That's when you need to start creating stuff yourself. Um, when, when you think you know what you want, that's when you need to start making stuff to prove that you're right. And if not, then you need to shut the hell up and enjoy the ride. Like, um, 
and it's also a weird thing with art where I always said that if I made, um, I, I don't like creators that kind of talk about their stuff too much, like over explain the art that they make. Um, cause to a degree when you make something, it's yours until you're done and you put it out and then it's the audience's, um, in a way, like it's up to them to decipher it, to explore it, to kind of decide what it means to them. And I think if you've done your job right, the art speaks for itself. But here's the problem with serialized storytelling and the age of sequels is like the more you work on something, the less generalized it becomes for people to glean their own meanings. And now they're just getting an insight into you as a creator um, because and it's hard not to put yourself into things you know as a creator to like explore what your politics your policies or or what you what your beliefs are um so well i think you should as a creator put put a little bit of yourself in what you're creating for sure you should have a sense of authorship um but then there's also you know it depends on what your objective is as an artist like if you want to make a statement for sure do that but i think I think the most successful art asks the right questions rather than makes bold statements or tries to answer something. But you don't have to make bold statements um, by putting Because I think the idea is just to get everyone to think. Yeah. The point of art is to get something across, or if it's one of the points of art, is to get across a message shouldn't that message be anything like shouldn't it be whatever the message is whether it's to make your audience think or to make a very specific statement it depends it's like that's what i think it's up to you like that's your objective as an artist like you can tell like there's different there's different shows that i like for different reasons right um like i like the cw superhero shows but they make very targeted kind of commentaries on our culture today uh it's written by like a younger staff that feels very passionate about social issues and they make statements, you know, they're very much like it's, it's obvious that they hate Donald Trump and they love Hillary Clinton, you know? And it's like, okay, that's fine. Um, and it's obvious and, that and, they believe if you want to watch something, you should have to watch five hours a week of all <laughs> these goddamn shows and make it impossible to stay up to date on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, but then, and that's fine. Like I, I like watching stuff like that. And but it's a little uninteresting because like I, I see what you're trying to say. Yeah, it's very clear to me. But then that's the kind of the shows I like to watch as just like filler, like go to. It makes me feel good. I like comic books. I like superheroes. I don't need it to be that complicated. And then I'll watch something like Twin Peaks, where it's like this could be about m- many things. And uh, you know, p- person A has a wildly different interpretation than person B. And I think they're both right. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, you know? Um, But I think with something like Twin Peaks, at least for me, like it resonates, it sticks with me for a lot longer. It percolates in the mind um, and makes me question things. And because I don't fucking know what David Lynch is really trying to say with all this stuff. um, I, I'm just getting what I get out of it. And I think that's a little bit better of an experience for me. Um, and I'm not saying that's the way it should be. I'm just saying there's a lot of different ways to approach this. And that's, that's what I like about art. Me personally. 
Yeah, I think though those are two drastically different shows. For sure, yeah. Um, you know, David Lynch for one is is creating that world, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got a bunch of writers that are trying to make a profitable show on the CW about the Flash and some other like smaller time DC characters. Uh, yep. I mean, like, how do you feel about, like, The Wire versus Twin Peaks? So I, I haven't finished The Wire. But it, my argument would be that those are shows both... I mean, David Lynch is David Lynch. He's, he's going to be hard yeah. to follow. Um, yeah. And then uh, The Wire is pretty straightforward in what it's trying to tell you, but they both resonate. Yeah. They, they do... They, they, go, they approach it extremely differently. I think those shows are made to resonate. Like, they're... If I'm seeking, if I if I'm seeking a show out, like oh, I want to I want to sit with this show and and really uh, and see where where my mind goes after watching an episode, I, I'm not going to watch The Flash. Um, yeah. But, and I I get what you're saying, uh, but I think you can find those two different art styles still in television. Uh, you know, Breaking Bad was pretty clear as what it was wanted to do. It it sat with you. Same with The Sopranos. Um, you know, they didn't have to be David Lynchy to to resonate. Sure, and I'm not saying that it, it does. Like, but the, I think that The Wire and even Breaking Bad, to a point, maybe not as uh, um, as deftly as The Wire did, is The Wire is a more straightforward story, but it's just as ambiguous as like, at least from the little bit that I saw, which is just a little bit of season one is like, there are no good guys and bad guys in this world. Like the cops are doing shady stuff just as much as the criminals are. And then the criminals have pretty compelling, like personal stories as to why they're doing what they're doing. And there's like tragic characters on both sides. It's, they're just people on two sides of a conflict. Uh, I think that's what that show is good about. And the fact that, you know, every character on that show is flawed in some pretty horrible way. I think there's just as much to question in that show as there is something like Twin Peaks, which is, can be indecipherable for some people, but, um, you know, then you have the CW shows where it's drawing very clear lines of like, here's your hero and here are the villains, you know? Mm hmm. Um, so it's just like it that's lighter art and I don't even know if it is art it's just like more of a here's an emotional show that'll take you it'll be fun and pulpy and funny and that's sometimes that's all I want and then sometimes I want to go down the rabbit hole like let's really explore some shit about how weird life is I think uh, kind of what Jack I think this is similar to what Jack's saying but basically like the problem with the CW shows is that they spoon feed you the emotions they want you to feel. Yeah. Whereas you can have a show like Breaking Bad that has a clear message, but they still trust the audience to to interpret the message on their own. Um, yeah. They don't they don't write the message in front of you, but they tell you the story that gives you the message. Um, and so I think that's like. I don't think Breaking Bad is ambiguous as to the message of the show or as to even how you're supposed to feel. Um, uh, but I think that they don't 
tell you outright like the CW shows do. Um, and so I think that you can have, uh, you can have a clear message without being artistically boring with it. Yeah. is kind I mean, of what I'm getting. What, I mean, what is the conversation that we're having right now? I don't know. Yeah. I have no I idea. I think we, I think we all agree. I'm just like differentiating, like, I think there's degrees of it and, this is kind of like what I get out of engaging with art. It's like, I like it more when questions are asked more than when statements are thrown at me. Okay. And yeah, I get that. And uh, I just, I don't like the degreeing of art. I mean, I think art all has its place. And I think what I was trying to say is if you want to get certain things, somebody that's, you know, well-versed in, in pop culture and stuff like that should know what they're going to get out of what they're seeing before they see it. Yeah. And, uh, and that doesn't have anything less to do with the merit of the art. I don't think that the merit is any less in either of those shows. I, I thought it was really funny. Like, I think Rodney Dangerfield is hysterical, but some people can't stand him. Right. He's just those one liner when he, um, guest starred on the Simpsons, the Simpsons writers were all like excited that Rodney Dangerfield was coming and they started just writing Rodney Dangerfield bits for him when he came in and they yeah. couldn't get a single one. They said they stayed up like all night trying to write bits and they couldn't. And then as soon as they, he, that he came, they were like, all right, Rodney, you, you have to write your stuff. We can't write it for you. Um, and it's something that seems so simple. It seems like such a simple art form, mm. but it's, it's there, there's a reason he's the only guy that does it. And it's, I think it's easy to just be like, well, that's like armchair art. Rodney, you know, I'll listen to an hour of Rodney Dangerfield. I'm not going to get much out of it. And if you approach it with that attitude, I don't think you're going to get much out of it. Uh, but it doesn't mean that there, like any less artistic creativity went into what he was doing. And I think yeah. the CW and stuff, that, those shows are successful for a reason. And I think oh, they're great. Like they're good shows. I, I enjoy them. Like I'm not trying to Sometimes. take the high ground. I'm not trying to take the high ground on art, which I feel like is probably how I'm coming across. And not so much. I think just, I think what I'm gathering from what you're saying is that, uh, you prefer watching something that sits with you, that makes you question things. I just get in a different, I do like that, but, um, I just get in different moods for different things. Like I said, I like the CW shows when I'm in a certain mood for it. it. They definitely like brighten my day up. I, I think some of those characters on those shows are wildly entertaining. I love Cisco on the flash. Like he's that actor kills it every scene. He's hilarious. Um, but it's this, uh, how did we even, I was trying to make a point of how we, when we got to this point and it was from Rick and Morty fans. We got here about ownership, sense of ownership of art. Yeah. Yeah. Content. Um, but we have gone down a lot of tangents. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. we've kept following them and I, I want to bring us back to earth here Do to, it. to the earthy richness that is going on a wonderful camping trip, mm-hmm. a camping trip run by you the runner, the manager of your camping site in animal crossing pocket camp coming to smartphone near you (laughs) in November. (laughs) You son of a bitch. Okay. So 
Nintendo announced an Animal Crossing mobile game. Right, a series I personally own. Mm-hmm. I have a sense of ownership because I have all the games in my garage. Mm. Yeah. Um, Animal Crossing is probably my favorite video game series. Um, I super love it. And they announced that they announced like a year or two ago that they were going to make a mobile game. And it seems like the type of game that would be really well suited for mobile. Um, but since the last real iteration of the game, they've made a couple weird spinoffs. And so I was really nervous. So then this last week they said, we're going to, on Tuesday night, we're going to show our new mobile game. Um, and they did. And it looks super fun. It looks like almost exactly what I want. It doesn't look like a full-blown Animal Crossing game. So when they do make an Animal Crossing for the Switch, it'll still scratch a lot of good itches. But yeah. this one looks, it just looks really fun. I'm really excited about it. How do you feel about it? Jack, where do you stand on Animal Crossing? I love uh, the New Leaf. Is that the one I played? The 3DS one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love New Leaf. That's the only one I played. And I'm not big on mobile gaming. So that's kind of where I stand. I'm not really excited at all. Yeah. But, uh, but I did love... I was surprised that I loved New Leaf. Because it doesn't seem like a game that's up your alley. It's a lot like the game I'm playing now, Stardew Valley, where I feel like I should be bored, but I'm not bored. Yeah. Um, um, do you intend to try out this new one when it comes out? Yeah, probably. I mean, I tried out Mario Run. Um, but that, like, that's, to me, that was how I am with mobile gaming. I got it. I played it for about a couple days and then just never played it again. And I imagine new, uh, Animal Crossing will do the same. Yeah. What's um, your lukewarm take? I think it's cool. I think mobile is a spot for Animal Crossing, for sure. Um, especially if Nintendo's going to start shying away from the 3DS, which I really hope they do. I understand why they wouldn't, because they have a lot of units out there. Um, and why do you hope that the they do? Just curious. Because I'm, the I'm Switch is... The, the Switch is such a... It's a, hi, it's a hybrid system. Like I, I don't think of it as a console you take on the go. I think it's a handheld that you can play on your TV. That's how I think about the Switch. Um, and I just, it's more, it looks better than the 3DS. I like playing it more than the 3DS. Like, I tried to play, I was playing Metroid uh, Samus Returns. And as much as I enjoyed the gameplay, I was like, I just don't like playing on this thing anymore. Especially, like, the Switch is so much more comfortable in your hands. It's such a, it's a way more sleek machine than anything Nintendo's made for a while now mm-hmm. um and this is this is the product like it's it's handheld and it's like home-based like i w- just focus 100 percent on this and people love it like it's outselling ps4s a couple months in a row um if they can get consoles out there and match their 3ds base like just be done with it and focus on switch get all those talented teams that are working on 3ds games get them working on switch games give them a little bit more money and see what they come up with and that's that's my basically all it is for me is that nintendo basically since the game boy launched nintendo has been splitting its resources for game making between their handheld and their console market and they have always owned the handheld market Um, every time anybody has tried to compete with them they failed. Um, I think the closest anybody came was the 
Nokia Engage uh, almost took down the Game Boy, but they only sold five. So, <laughs> um, but uh, it's if Nintendo had a consolidated workforce and every game they were making was for their Switch, like we would see so many great games come out. Because that's the thing, even with the Wii U and the 3DS next to each other. If you counted both of them together, there was a pretty good release schedule between the two of them, but nobody counted them together. They were very separate things. Um, and I agree. Like I, The Switch is a... I would absolutely rather play a game on the Switch than my 3DS right now. The 3D is not nearly a compelling enough piece of the puzzle to make me want to play a game on my 3DS. It's not that much more portable. My 3DS has never gone in my pocket when I'm going somewhere. It always goes yeah. in a bag. And if I have a bag, it can hold my Switch. Um, my Switch also yep. has better battery life, way better standby time um, than my 3DS does. I've, I was going to say the exact same thing as Keith. I've, I've been playing Metro Returns. It's really good. I wish it was on the Switch. I'd rather play it on my Switch because I've only played it here, sitting on my sofa or something. Like mm-hmm. It's where I play games. Um, and the 3DS is six years old. Like I'm ready for them to move on, and I really wish they would move on to just one thing for a while. Um, I don't want them to announce the uh, 4DS. I don't, or whatever the next one is. Um, I I don't want that to be announced. I want. I mean, them four to dimensions say, would be cool, though. It would be really cool if you could time travel cool. with your. Yeah. Your <laughs> um, I. Uh, but it probably it wouldn't work that way. Well. to hold it just the right angle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It hurts your eyes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It hurts your equilibrium. <laughs> um, no, it's I. If Nintendo said like they officially put the 3DS to bed, and then just and they're like the the, our new market is hybrids. Like we're still gonna make console and handheld uh, games, but they're all on the same platform now. Like that, I just think like Nintendo is on such a fucking upswing right now. They announced today that they're expecting by April to have outsold the Wii U. The Wii U was, yeah. was out for five years, and they think the Switch is going to outsell it within mm-hmm. one year. That's crazy. But um, I mean, plus look what they're doing. They're putting games. They're putting these great, amazing games out on Switch, and they're starting to put out mobile games of their big titles. It's like, where does the 3DS fall here? You know, it's like mm-hmm. they have they have mobile games on two other platforms now. The 3DS is an outdated piece of hardware, and it needs it just needs to go. You know, yeah, get I, get out whatever you guys have been working on, like your team's been working on for the last two or three years. But after that, like finish it. The 3DS, um, I up until the Switch, the 3DS was my favorite hardware I've ever owned. Um, yeah. I I don't want to see it go because of any ill will. I have played so many great games on that thing, um, and by that thing I mean the three different 3DSs I've owned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Three, yeah. Do you still have the Animal four. Crossing? Four. No, I think I've had four. Yeah. yeah. I had the original one, then I got the XL, then I had the Animal Crossing one, and now I have the new 3DS XL. But I kept the Animal Crossing one because okay. it was special. Yeah, good. Um, and now I want to buy the Super Nintendo new 3DS XL because <laughs> um, it's gorgeous. I want to. I want to as well, but then I was like, nope, I'm done with this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, they're not going to end if uh. you guys keep buying this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that's really it. It's like I absolutely love the 3DS but I love the Switch more, um, and I'm, I'm ready for it to be done. And what I want is for... I want Nintendo to be bold enough to put out some low-fidelity games on the Switch. Like, I, it'd be great if they just put out 
a higher resolution but still low poly like if they if they just said like if they they brought out metroid or samus returns like if they re-release that on the switch as like a 3ds port just like higher res but still a shitty polygon like that'd be great like i wish they could put in make some low lower effort titles and i know they can't necessarily because it just looks bad but i just want all of nintendo's development on the same platform i think i think we would see such a rush of releases and so many good interesting games um like right now when they announce a game and it's like another weird yoshi game i'm like ah like couldn't you be focusing on something else instead (laughs) um like i love yoshi but that's not exactly what i want right now but if they if nintendo had their full force working like they could they could announce those things and i would trust they're also working on all this other shit like that they're not too split um well, as somebody who uses the Switch almost exclusively in handheld, I agree with you guys. I think it's, to me, it is it is a handheld uh, system because I think I've only played about, like, five hours on the TV. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I've been loving the Switch. It's, like, the my most... Uh, I have no buyer's remorse from the Switch whatsoever. Dude, me neither. I was talking about the other day with someone, and I was like, every other thing I've bought, I've been like, I didn't have to. But with the Switch, I'm like, I had to. And yeah. it was worth it. Every, every yeah, the penny. only regret I've heard Jack say is that he didn't buy it at launch. Like, he had an opportunity <laughs> to, and did, yeah. and then he couldn't get one for a couple yeah, months. Yeah, for a while. I was even in New York and went to the Nintendo store. Yeah. Yeah, and they yeah. didn't have him. And while he was out of town, I found one for him, but then he found his own while he was out of town. So yeah. He didn't end up using the one I bought for him. No, I buried it in the backyard. I called Target because I, you know, they have all the websites pop up that are like that show the stock. Brickseek, you know? we're using Brickseek. Yeah, and so I called the Target that was like near my house in Virginia, and the guy picks up, and I was like, and I had just been told like no like fifteen times by other stores in the area, and I call him up, and I'm like, hey man, do you have any switches? And he's like, yeah, we do. <laughs> like right, you get here now. I was like, I'm on my way. And was, he goes, cool. <laughs> the funnest conversation I've had with a store, a store clerk. I like it. Awesome. I do. There's something like, I, I like the thrill of hunting down, like hard to find shit like that. Cause it's when you hit that phone call, it's like, it is a rush. Yeah. It would be better if it was just available. Yeah. Obviously. I, but yeah. I, I, I feel that way 100%. Mm-hmm. I would rather just be able to go buy a thing and not worry about it. But there is a fun aspect to the hunt. I've, I think it's funny when it gets to the point when something's so popular that you have this uh, huge population of people that are like, I want to give you my money. Yeah. And they're like, not yet. Yeah, hang like, on. <laughs> it's just a weird thing. Yeah. Please just um, let me pay you. So you guys tried pretty hard to completely derail the conversation from Animal Crossing, but I want to get back I was, to I was it. just about to swing it right back to it. So anyway, yeah, I think I that the, the mobile platform is perfect guest. for Animal Crossing. 100% perfect. Um, and I think it'll bring a lot of people that were... Because it's such a, like... It could, it, could, it could speak to that casual crowd that plays games on mobile. Because it's not a very complicated game. It's just very... Uh, abusive when it comes to its uh 
it's uh, debt, kind of, you know. Yeah, and it's uh, it's abusive in a very subtle way. That fucking Tom Nook, he's like, eh, anytime, but this is how much money you owe me now, and it's and like that, you feel like you need that mechanic to go get is it. actually missing from the mobile game. Um, is it? Yes. I so here's my thoughts on Animal Crossing for mobile. I I think. I don't necessarily think it's a perfect fit necessarily. I think that there are aspects like I, I expect this game to scratch the itch for me for a while, but it's mm-hmm. not going to cure the rash. Like yeah. it, it'll be fun and I'll be glad to have it, but it's not going to be a full blown animal crossing. Um, and I think what will be missing, like what I like about animal crossing is when I sit down and play it, I just get to be. I get to be in the town. Like there's a sense of place in the game. There's a sense of belonging in a place and of doing whatever you want, but it's like my place. Like on the 3DS, I spent so much time trying to set up my town how I wanted it. Like figuring out I I went through so many iterations of trying to get like this full orchard going and all these different techniques of like, well, if I do all of this, like I plotted out maps of like trying to plot these plant these groups of fruit trees and then someone would move in and fuck up my entire plan i have to redo it like but it's all about like your town and and there's this like there is a sense of place and it's so it's relaxing it's like i'm gonna go to my town for an hour and catch some fish and do some shit and try to make my town better but it's all whatever i want to do um and this new game i think is going to be a little bit more purpose driven it's about your campsite but i think it's it's going to be more like go here do this go here do this go here do this like i think animal crossing devolves eventually into a gameplay loop of i turn it on i check the shops i check what i care about and then i turn it off and i think this game is going to be that gameplay play loop pretty early on i think it's going to be i every three hours or whatever once all the timers reset i go do all my shit and then i put it away um as i think it'll be fun but I don't think it's going to have the like long-lasting. Like I honestly, I I find an Animal Crossing an emotionally soothing and comforting game to play, and I don't necessarily think I'm going to get that out of the mobile app. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be the like AAA uh, Animal Crossing experience. I just think it, it's a good place for it to be. Like more so, like the Switch, the Switch version is going to be a good game for sure and better than the mobile game i just think the mobile version makes so much sense it's like yeah fucking put that on there and get that out there bring new customers in people that don't don't know what animal crossing is all about and uh get them to get a switch and get it on there i think there's people that are gonna buy it just for that i think the switch animal crossing is gonna be the fastest selling switch game when it comes out i think it's gonna break switch records I You're disagree. The Animal Crossing expert. I don't. I I personally don't get it. Those games, as and I've tried. Like I've played every one of them, except for the Wii, the Wii one. Uh, they just don't speak to me. Like I play them for a little bit, and then I'm like, I don't get this. Like, you probably didn't go to enough KK Slider concerts. You're always at work. I've been I've been to the KK Slider concerts, bruh. Yeah, probably not enough. I love them. They're great. Not uh, a, de- definitely not nearly enough at all. No, I so Animal Crossing. Whenever they release something that is like really Animal Crossing, not whenever. Um, it started with the 3ds. There is there was like a three year wait for that game since between then they announced it and it came out. It was like a two year wait before they announced any content aside from like this thirty second, like or not even. It was like a ten second teaser, um, and that game was one of the best selling games 
on the 3DS. It was the fastest game to reach a billion um, copies sold on the 3DS. Like it broke a lot of records for it. And I I think that people underestimate. I was gonna say Nintendo, but I think they look at the numbers and probably know. But um, yeah, this the app already. They had a soft launch in Australia only on iOS, and within that market, it has it's beaten every other Nintendo app. It beat. Uh, it beat Mario Run. It beat Fire Emblem. I don't know if uh, what I read included Pokemon Go in that. Probably not, because that broke like every record there was. Um, but it was like the fastest downloaded app Nintendo's put out. Um, people love their Animal Crossing, and I think I think that by the time it comes out on the Switch. Uh, I might be helped by the fact that there were less switches in the market when other games launched, but I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's going to break sales numbers. That's what I was just thinking Probably. about. I think yeah, it, you've got a point, but I just I don't know. It feels like Mario has a bigger audience than Animal Crossing, but yeah, there's less switches out right now and stuff. And and also too, I didn't know any of that. Yeah, I, it's just a big fan base for Animal Crossing. Yeah, this isn't just me jerking off (laughs) for Animal Crossing. They, like, it was so satisfying because I I don't feel like the series hit the mainstream until New Leaf. Um, There were plenty of people that liked it and I hung out on those corners of the internet. Um, But, like, I remember reading on Game FAQ that GameFAQs message boards uh, after the first Animal Crossing came out, I remember going on the Animal Crossing 2 forum and just all of us just talking about what we wanted. And everyone talked about wanting bikes you could ride around and like cars you could drive and all sorts of crazy shit. Animal Crossing 2 ended up being Animal Crossing Wild World on the DS. Like, that feels like a million years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, just being on GameFAQs feels like a million years ago. But that used to be yeah. like one of my main video game places I went. Um, but I've always, like almost every Animal Crossing game, I've been like a part of like a forum community just being hyped on it. I love Uh, the story of you in Richmond putting the game console in your sock. Yeah. So in case you got mugged and they took your DS, they wouldn't get your town. Yeah. 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 Whenever I go hang out at Sean's house, uh, when I lived in the fan, um, I had, it wasn't my sock. I had these super weird shorts that had a pull away pocket with a teeny little Velcro pocket inside of it. And, uh, yeah, I would take out, the Animal Crossing cartridge, put it in that tiny pocket, so, yeah, so that if somebody mugged me, I'd give them ideas, but not lose. Uh, I believe I was cool in name my town, Gotham. <laughs> After the ser- hit series Gotham. Mm. Yeah. Um. Anyway, unrelated story. When Tessa and I shared a computer, and uh, we played Overwatch on it one time, I. Uh, downloaded a link i you know you can like save a favorite to your desktop like so you just click the yeah. icon and it opens a website um i did that uh and made it look like the overwatch logo and called it overwatch but it just went straight to meatspin <laughs> it went to what meatspin.com i've never you heard of meatspin oh god we gotta all right we gotta teach jack about meatspin here um it's just a, it's just a it's a very short gift that loops uh, of a guy banging another guy 
but his the dude on top, it's a guy sitting on another guy, and he's popping up and down, and his dick is just okay. spinning like a windmill. Um, but the best part of it is, my favorite part, at least, is the guy has an incredible tan line. It's like this super stark, like really narrow like, tan line around his dick. Um, so, yeah, so I was like working one day. Or maybe it was a galvanized something in Tesla. She's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, I just opened the Overwatch. I'm like, just play it. Like, I don't, I don't understand the problem. I thought it was a really good prank. That was pretty good. It's pretty great. Yeah. Meat Spin's my favorite version of, like, Rick rolling somebody. Because, oh, also yeah. it plays You Spin Me right round. Okay. Because, right I, I mean, I've, I've definitely heard of them. Like, there's always, people always be like, on Reddit and stuff like, oh, go to lemonparty.org. Right. And stuff. Me and spins I, a lemon party. It's yeah. one of those things. I just never click on the link because well, I'm smarter than that. I love it if when you, people don't know about Lemon Party yet. If you ever see a Meat Spin link, just click it. It's, <laughs> a, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's just a dick on a butt. You've seen that plenty of times. <laughs> Is just that the one that dick. has a counter, too? That yeah, it tells you how times. many times <laughs> you watch it spin. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, when you hit a certain point, it tells you you're officially gay. Yeah. So if you ever want to know. How many dick spins it takes. Yeah. Mr. Um, Owl. It's not, it's not accurate because I've definitely been there and definitely not gay. Oh, so. well, shit. Keith. Coming out on the podcast. I said not gay. Well, you also said you watched me spin enough to see the message. So yeah. definitely. Yeah. You're getting gay. conflicting messages that's not, here. That's not science, though. Oh, great. Now we're going to get it. <laughs> um, anyway, this week's episode is brought to you by Meatspin.com. Uh, sure is. And Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. Really uh, overlapping audiences there. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah, I think we'll lose the audiences in the middle there. Why? With the, with the whole art tangent. Yeah, that was weird. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. the two of you. <laughs> Sorry, listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm a terrible guest. Listen, you're not a terrible guest. I mean, that's just what happens. Uh, hey, Jack, cover yours. Okay. Hey, cover. speak for yourself, Keith. Okay, <laughs> <guy> sucks. <laughs> Personally, I hope he moves out of the continental United States. I should have. I should have covered my ears, but I didn't, and I heard it all. Oh, oh damn. Yeah. Can't those even follow instructions. Those aren't earmuffs. <laughs> um. All right. I think I'm pretty satisfied. I feel pretty satisfied too. I'm probably gonna play a little more Mario before be a. Oh, guess so. Here's a cool thing about being a professional adult. Mm-hmm. Ready? Uh, my new cell phone's coming in the mail tomorrow, and I have to sign for it, so I just get to work at home. <laughs> okay. Like, Which phone sweet. is it? The Pixel Two. Yeah. Nice. But I'm just like that's neat. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I still don't have a job, but I'm hoping to get one soon. Yeah. Any any leads? Anything? No, I applied to some places, but haven't heard shit. Are you officially in Charlottesville now? No, not yet. Okay. I moved to Charlottesville on the 18th of November. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's when the Wii yeah. came out. Hey. Nice. Nintendo actually has a long history of big releases on November 18th. Really? Really? Yeah. All right. Well, I guess it was written in the stars then, because I love Nintendo. Yeah. You're the Nintendo guy on the podcast. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I think that'll do. Okay, so Keith's recorder just died. Did it just die, Keith? Keith said yes. How about everything you say, Jack will say? Yeah, that sounds good. All right, so 
Anyway, Keith, what were you saying about Paris Games Conference? So next week, I'm going to have a lot to say about Paris Game Week. There's going to be a lot of good PS4 trailers and stuff. Okay, um, so is Paris Games Week just Sony or what? Uh, yes, it's exclusively Sony, and you can hold me to that. Uh, if anybody wants to challenge me on that, they can uh, write me at keithsilverman at google.com. Um. Or double jump jump, but <laughs> Twitter, that's a hard one to say. <laughs> um, so, but Jack, you did, I liked your joke, but I was going to make a bad joke and you ruined it because Keith said it's like a mini E3, and so I would say like an E2. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah. Well, what you guys can't hear right now is Keith is laughing in hysterics at that joke. <laughs> He's dying. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. We're Chatisfied. Hit us up at the usual spots, twitter.com backslash chatisfied.com show, and make sure to go to apple.com, iTunes slash podcast, and uh, download the podcast, like, subscribe, and uh, don't forget to subscribe. Bye. Bye. Keith literally didn't say bye.